Okay, so tune in to my interview with Colby from America, attorney and creator of a magazine called After Dinner Conversation, who's happily traveling the world as a digital nomad with his wife and educator. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Colby. Colby, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Okay. So where do you currently live and how long have you lived there? Uh, right now we are in San Sebastian, Spain, my wife and I, uh, mm-hmm. we've been here about a week or two, but we have been traveling for, we just celebrated our two year anniversary of traveling mm-hmm. about a week ago. Oh, okay. So then like, this is one country where you've lived in, but how many mm-hmm. countries have you lived in and what have they been like? We've been in, uh, 10 plus 11, if you include, we went home to America for a month for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last two years, we have been in Thailand, New Zealand, mm-hmm. Italy, France, Croatia, Spain, Malta, Cyprus, Tanzania. I might be missing one or two. Those are the wow. ones that come to mind. Wow. Yeah. We tend to change locations about every three months. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, what was the country where maybe it was like the most difficult adjusting to? And what was the country where it was the easiest to adjust to? So that question is going to be a little different for me than maybe mm-hmm. the usual. So I've mm-hmm. traveled quite a bit. I've mm-hmm. uh, lived in a couple of countries. I lived in Mozambique. I lived in mm-hmm. China. I'd been to 30 or 40 countries before we started this. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm not sure I could pick one that would be hard. Mm-hmm. The most difficult one from just a working living standpoint was Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because the where we were, we were in a city called Arusha, which mm-hmm. is a relatively developed city. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of the it's this sort of jumping off point where people go on a lot of safaris and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were a lot of rolling blackouts because mm-hmm. a lot of their electricity is tied to hydroelectric mm-hmm. and there hadn't been much rain. And so there just wasn't enough water to make enough electricity. So we were without electricity three or four hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were without internet four to six hours a day, which for people that mm-hmm. work online is really tough. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of playing darts, just mm-hmm. sort of waiting for the electricity to come on. Um, and a lot of anytime the electricity did come on, we were really quick to charge our laptops, to charge every battery pack we had, to charge every cell phone. Um, and so that was just a little bit difficult just from a technology standpoint. They're not mm-hmm. quite at the point yet where you can really work as a remote worker in mm-hmm. Tanzania. But yet, you know, a generator and a Starlink satellite and it would have been fine. The easiest one. You know, I don't know. Uh, they're all pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Thailand was probably the easiest only because the food was really good. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a really, it's a really easy transition to go somewhere that has food that you really enjoy. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it seems like a stupid thing, but 
if you struggle to eat or find things that you enjoy eating, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everything else seems a little bit harder. Yeah, definitely. What prompted you to move to your current location? Like, why did you choose that country, you know, out of like any of the others? Yeah. So San Sebastian, uh, for those who don't know, is on the border mm-hmm. between uh, Spain and France, sort of mm-hmm. at the northeast corner of of Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not doesn't have a big airport. It doesn't have uh, it's not on a high speed train line. Um, which is really interesting. We would not normally have come here, except my wife's dad played mm-hmm. basketball here in the mm-hmm. European leagues. Mm-hmm. And so he had friends here. Mm-hmm. And about nine months ago, we thought we'd come visit his friends. Uh, we loved San Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And so when we got the chance to come back here to pet sit someone's cat for six weeks, mm-hmm. we thought, yeah, we we loved it. We loved the city. It doesn't have the sort of mass tourism that uh, a city this beautiful would normally have mm-hmm. because there isn't an airport and because there isn't a high speed train that comes here. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's just beautiful beaches, beautiful old town. Everything is wonderful and no cruise ships, practically no tourism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we love it here. Okay. And so like, you know, you and your wife, you guys travel together. Where did you guys meet? Uh, we met a long time ago. We met um, when I was working on my law degree at uh, Arizona State University, and she mm-hmm. was working on her university degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met at a race where she was doing a bicycle race, and I was mm-hmm. uh, helping out a friend as a timer. Mm-hmm. We became friends. We didn't date or anything. And about ten, we just sort of Facebook friends. And mm-hmm. then about 10 years later, I was um, in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a vacation sort of thing and i was just like you know who would i who would i ask out if i really <laughs> was just like if i wanted to get married and i wanted mm-hmm. to settle down and mm-hmm. I, like who would be my first choice and she mm-hmm. was my first choice mm-hmm. and so i emailed her uh, from iceland and basically just said look to get married I, yeah i was just like look <laughs> you know I, i'm not going to i'm not going to pretend like i'm gonna uh-huh. be all coy about it like yeah. i want to go out on a date with you and i want to go out on a date with you with the intention of seeing if we can be in a relationship yeah and i thought this is i'd never done that before and i thought this is the surest way to scare a woman off <laughs> and much to my surprise she wrote me back and was like well i'm in the middle of training for iron man kona yeah but uh in about a month i'll be done with my training and yeah. i'd be happy to go out on a date mm-hmm. and so uh yeah it took about a month before we went on our first date uh, we moved in together mm-hmm. nine months or a year later. We got married nine months or a year after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the reason that I asked, you know, like, where'd you guys meet? How'd you guys meet is because, you know, to to find someone who would be that open, that adventurous to live yeah. in different countries, you know, you know, three months at a time, I'm wondering like, wow, how did you find like person? How'd you find your person? I mean, that's really amazing. Yeah, so she's kind I- of a unicorn for sure. She's, yeah, she's a yeah, unicorn. Yeah, Actually, definitely. when I got married, my, uh, my dad at the wedding, the first thing he said to me mm-hmm. was he's like, man, I'd have never thought you were going to find someone to marry you. And I'm like, thanks dad. <laughs> you're, you're great. He's like, no, no, I don't mean it that way. I mean it, you know, like, because you value experiences and travel yeah. over money and houses and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, that's just not, that's a hard person to find. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, what what was the discussion like about this is this is what I want to do with my life. I want to travel for for I don't know how many years maybe the discussion went, but and not settle down like in one specific place for too long. What was that discussion like and and how long did it take before you two like set off on your adventure? So there were baby steps for sure. So mm-hmm. uh after we'd been dating about nine months or eight months, Mm -hmm. uh, I suggested to her that we go to Peru Mm -hmm. and do like the like Machu Picchu hike sort of thing Mm -hmm. because she had been to New Zealand and Canada, Mm -hmm. um, but New Zealand and Canada are pretty much like America, Mm -hmm. except politer. And I, and I thought, okay, let's, let's go someplace. that's a little bit with some poverty and with some issues and with Mm -hmm. some just a different culture. That's not, there's not a McDonald's on every corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and she loved it. She mm-hmm. had a great time. She was perfectly fine sleeping out of a tent in a backpack for days at a time. Mm-hmm. And and afterwards, you know, I talked to her and said, you know, I want to do this for a while. Like, I don't want to do it my whole life, mm-hmm. but like, I want to spend some time doing this. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, okay, well, I don't want to do it my whole life either, but let's give it a year. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, we'll do a year. I do a year. Mm-hmm. And a year is now turned into two years. Uh, we're planning to probably wrap things up in about three years. But, mm-hmm. you know, our rules really, we've had this discussion now. Mm-hmm. Our idea is we'll quit doing this when it's either number one, not fun anymore. Uh, number two, uh, either we or our parents get sick and we just need to go be with them, mm-hmm. um, you know, because parents get older. Or number three, we get some job offer in America that's so perfect mm-hmm. that it would just be like, no, I, I have to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I have to take this job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if none of those three things happen, uh, you know, I don't know how long we'll do it for. Okay. If it came to like an end, what's your ideal place that that you would want to live and, and stay and settle down? Well, I mean, I, so I'm from Tempe, Arizona, which is a little suburb outside of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there for most of my life and it feels like home. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just, I don't know. There's just certain things about places that you just, you like the culture, you like the people, you like the atmosphere, you like everything. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, if it's, uh, 44 degrees Celsius, which is like 118 Fahrenheit, like I'm perfectly happy in that weather. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't bother me at all. And so Eventually, I would probably end up back in Tempe, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other places I like. I just can't put together the whole combination. Like, I love San Francisco, but it's freaking cold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love I love Europe, all of Europe. Like, I love Spain, and I love Estonia, and I love Italy. But there's aspects about each one of them that I'm just like, mm, yeah, I don't know. So, no, I would say there's no place that puts it all together perfectly. Maybe Copenhagen, if it was, mm-hmm. like, warmer. Mm-hmm. No, I've never found a place that I thought was better than Tempe, Arizona. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like I should be working for their tourist uh, bureau <laughs> or something. Okay. I know that you mentioned that, you know, you're digital nomads. So, like, what, what do you guys do then? So, I run a publication um, after dinner conversation. And it is a liter- like an online digital literary magazine. Mm-hmm. I started it uh, shortly after we got married. And it's been mm-hmm. growing a little bit every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that provides a good bit of our my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I split my time between that and doing remote legal work since I'm mm-hmm. a lawyer. Mm-hmm. My wife does teaching online. She's a 
teaches not English, but she actually teaches at like an American charter school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, between all of those sort of things, the nice thing about traveling is like, you know, once you get outside of Europe, uh, most of the world you can live pretty comfortably on for twelve or fifteen hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just like North America, a couple of big cities in Europe where you need to make more money. Right? Mm-hmm. But when we were in Thailand, we were living on a thousand ish dollars a month, maybe twelve hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And really that that was more than enough. Mm-hmm. Like we you know, we never thought like, oh, can we afford this? Mm-hmm. So then let me go back to like, you know, you being a lawyer, because I find that curious. I mean, once upon a time, I had thought about going to law school, but I was concerned about, you know, really realistically, uh, I mean, the the amount of time is, is, it's only really two years, like full time, but really the debt was what like scared me off. So, so I guess I wonder, like, when you, when you became a lawyer, when you were going through law school, like, what, what? had you hoped to do with that? I mean, was the plan to use that to be a digital nomad or was it something else? Yeah. So I, my, I had no intention of ever being a lawyer. I grew up a mm-hmm. uh, very sort of lower middle class. So I didn't never, I'd never met a lawyer before. I, mm-hmm. I literally had never met a lawyer before. The first mm-hmm. lawyer I ever met uh, was my first law professor I ever met. Mm-hmm. And in the world that I grew up in, that was a good thing. If you needed a lawyer, that meant you were going to jail, right? <laughs> um, and so for me, I had no interest in law or lawyers. My sister did. And so mm-hmm. she went to law school mm-hmm. and she just said, look, I really think this is a really interesting education. Mm-hmm. I think you'd like the education. Mm-hmm. And so I went and sat in on one of her classes. I really liked the classes. And so I went to law school not to be a lawyer. But because I liked the class and and I realized I was going to take on a pile of debt, but I was like, nah, whatever, I'll figure that out. I did perfectly well in law school, part because I really enjoyed it. I got offered a job at a big firm that was starting off at, uh, you know, well, in today's money, it would be like one hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, all right, well, I can work here and pay off all of my student loans from my undergrad and my master's. And I can do that really quick if I just keep living like a college student. Mm hmm. So I paid off all of my student loans in about four and a half or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I literally was a, a lawyer with two roommates. Like, so I just kept living like I was in college. So by the time I'd been a lawyer for five years, I was totally debt free. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, nothing but I didn't pay a bill all month except my home, except my mortgage. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way ever since. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So yeah, debt's the big thing that keeps people from doing digital nomad stuff, right? Like it's yeah. I, when I was early on in my life, when I was living in China, I got a job offer. I was in an airport and I got talking to a monk mm-hmm. in like Tibet, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, look, we can get you a one year work visa. We need an English teacher at our monastery. Mm-hmm. And it was in the middle of nowhere. He's like, we can't pay you, but we can feed you and we can house you. Oh, wow. uh, and we'll and, and we'll let you hang out with us and do you know monk stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you just want to teach English, I don't know, like six or eight hours a week, we would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I that was my perfect life, mm-hmm. and I couldn't because I had twenty or thirty thousand dollars in student loans at the time, mm-hmm. and I think my student loan payment was like four hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. and I just I I couldn't. I just four hundred dollars a month kept me from living my dream. And I just thought, you know what? I'm never going to do that again. Like, mm-hmm. never. Mm-hmm. 
Let's take a quick break. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you share, subscribe, download, rate, review the podcast, and join our community via Facebook and Instagram by typing in Are We Home Yet Podcast and Twitter by typing in Are We Home Yet Pod where we share resources, you can interact with our guests, and you have a chance to tell your story as a former, current, or future expat, and of course, be a part of our community. The social media links are also at the bottom of the page on the arewehomeyetpodcast.com website as well. Okay, now back to the show. I'm going to be dead free. Yeah, I understand. When I was in America, I had a Jeep, a beautiful four-door Jeep. Oh, my God. I loved this Jeep. It was beautiful. It was this wonderful, <laughs> like, you know, cobalt blue. And 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 it also had, like, the sunroof. And, and it was really high off off the ground. And, and, and I absolutely loved it. It really came down to, okay, well, you know, this is hindering me from moving forward. So, so I'm not going to be able to keep this beautiful Jeep. And yeah. And then when I went to go try to sell it, they were like, oh, well, you know, we're going to have to give you 3000 less than what you're telling us, you know, you owe to the loan company because I'm still making yep. payments. And, and I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I'm losing money. But then I realized like, but <laughs> There was something else that I needed to gain in life. And yeah, and the it, it just wasn't worth it. So yeah, I mean I, yeah. I did have to like pay the three three thousand to the loan company out of my own pocket and take a loss. You're absolutely right. Sometimes, yeah, debt is is an issue and sometimes we can figure out and make it work, and then other times it's like, gosh, you know, like gosh, this is such a like stranglehold on my neck. You know, how how do I like get out of this and like move on with life? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's only three things that keep people from sort of traveling or being an expat or digital nomad. Mm -hmm. And it's a dog, mm -hmm. a family, and debt, mm -hmm. right? Now, family could be your own family telling you, like, it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. It could also be, you know, a wife or a kid. Mm -hmm. You can't leave a kid, right? And a lot mm -hmm. of people don't realize that you can't, they don't realize how easy it is to travel with children and that you can just yeah. enroll them in schools wherever you are. Mm -hmm. But outside of those three things, like, there's nothing holding someone back from doing whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then you started this magazine. Like, where did the idea of that come from? Here you are, you know, you've gone to law school, which, you know, it doesn't sound like you're doing like legal writing. It sounds like you're doing more creative writing. So like, where did this idea come from? Uh, Yeah, I mean, literally, right, just to go back to the law thing, I literally uh was like, yeah, once I pay off my debt, I'm leaving. And all mm -hmm. my friends were like, well, you know, you'll get used to the money. You'll spend yourself into this into this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And literally, uh, like the day that I got my last paycheck from my mm -hmm. law firm, I was like, yep, I'm out. Bye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I wish I, I wish I'd stayed six months. I could have saved forty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. But I was just like, no, it's good. Like, I'm good. I, my soul is worth more than this. Mm -hmm. As far as the 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 publication after dinner conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on my, the night before my wedding, you know, all the friends come into town for the wedding. We all got a big, uh, house and an Airbnb. We were all hanging out. Mm -hmm. and I was talking to one of my friends, Bill, uh, before my wedding night. And he's, and, and he's like, so what do you want to do? What's going on now that you're, you know, and I was like, 
I'm like, I'll tell you what I wanted to do, but it's going to sound like a really stupid idea. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to continue doing like what we did in law school or what I did Mm -hmm. as a teacher, which I I was a a humanities teacher and it was Mm -hmm. a lot of Socratic discussion. It was Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, open-ended questions. I'm like, I really like that. I want to do a a magazine. I want to continue having that in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to do a a magazine like that, Mm -hmm. but I have no, like, it's going to be just tons of work, tons of time. And it's going to be a money pit for the first couple of years. And, and he was just like, and like, does time not continue anyway? <laughs> like, is that the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? And mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, no, these are all great points. Mm-hmm. So we talked about it till like three in the morning, much to my wife's frustration, because I was very tired on our wedding day. And I was just like, yeah, no, I'm going to do this. And so maybe three or four weeks after I got married, mm-hmm. um, I started working on after dinner conversation. And it went from short stories to anthologies to mm-hmm. a podcast to a monthly mm-hmm. magazine and and honestly it was a money pit and it definitely is a, a lot of time mm-hmm. but uh but whatever like i'm happy like mm-hmm. what, what are you gonna do like go through your life being unhappy like piling money like scrooge mcduck mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so no it's i love doing it it's what i was doing right before i started doing this interview and it's what i'm gonna do as soon as this interview is over Okay. Do you have any hopes for the magazine? Like, you know, actually becoming more than than it currently is? Oh, sure. I mean, there's definitely goals uh, Mm -hmm. for what I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, the goal ultimately is that it is my full-time job and it alone supports, you know, my life, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, That's probably three to five years away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, yeah. And and here's the thing, it's going to sound really silly, but, uh, so let's say that nothing came of it. Mm-hmm. Let's say that I spent 10 years doing this mm-hmm. and it was really just, you know, whatever, a dozen readers. It's mm-hmm. more than that now, even. but let's just say it was mm-hmm. what I've considered it to be a waste of time. The answer is no, I wouldn't consider it to be a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And if the answer was yes, that the only way it's not a waste of time is, is if it's successful. Well, like, that's not a love, that's a job, mm-hmm. right? And so I've always, my whole life, I've always said, like, what would I do for free? Now let me do it because I love it. Mm-hmm. And eventually you're going to get good at it. And if you're good at something, like, someone will pay you for it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Whether that's playing computer games for a living or traveling for a living or whatever, like, expertise automatically garners money. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, I like that. Okay, so then what's your day-to-day like, uh, you know, like when you're working and then obviously when you have your downtime and you can enjoy the things about each country that, you know, make them special? Yeah, so we travel slower and we see less. So mm-hmm. I've traveled as a tourist where you sort of like go from place to place to place. Mm-hmm. And I would say we, um, for every one month that we're in a city, Mm-hmm. would be the equivalent of like being a tourist there for about four to five days. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, you're just busy. You're grocery shopping. You're making dinner. You're mm-hmm. hanging out with friends You're, you know, that you meet. Or you're going running. My wife and I are both uh, runners. Mm-hmm. I'm working on the magazine. She's teaching five hours a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it's really like every weekend or every other weekend we will – spend two days or three days being tourists Mm -hmm. um we spent six weeks in paris 
Mm-hmm. And we probably in that six weeks, we probably had, and this was heavy for us. We probably had 10 full days of being a tourist in six weeks, mm-hmm. maybe 12. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, like you're not on vacation, you're on life. Mm-hmm. And life is a very different sort of pace of when you go to do tourist things. When you mentioned that, like, you're, you're living, you're not really like vacationing then. Okay. So what's it like living in different countries? I'm assuming you get to live as much as you want because maybe the quality of life is a little bit different. So, you know, what's, what's like the cost of living, like safety and security? What's, what's your peace of mind like? Yeah. So, uh, so there's a website. I don't run the website and this is not me plugging anything called uh, Numbio, uh, com, And there's, they do a cost of living index. So Mm -hmm. you can see what it is to live anywhere in the world, any major Mm -hmm. city in the world, you can see what the cost of living is. Mm -hmm. And so we'll definitely reference that website when we're trying to figure out where we want to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we just, live our lives pretty normally so i would Mm -hmm. say you know on fifteen hundred dollars we can live most anywhere we'd want to be outside of europe Mm -hmm. um on three thousand dollars you know we have more money than we probably know what to do with Mm -hmm. that would not be the case in like shanghai or beijing but like Mm -hmm. or kunming but if you leave the main areas Mm -hmm. like yeah uh we've definitely realized the kind of cities we like uh Mm -hmm. we like cities that are like 60 or 80,000 to maybe 150,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hate cold weather. We don't ever want it to be, we don't ever want it to get below 20 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is that? Like 60 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we want to be near water. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really don't care beyond that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so we went to Cyprus uh, because we were in Estonia and it was getting cold and we're just like, yeah, whatever cold. Mm-hmm. Let's go someplace warm. And so we mm-hmm. went and spent the winter in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. And then we were in um, Paris and it was starting to get cold. And we were just like, yeah, let's go to um, Malta. Mm-hmm. And then Malta started to get cold. And we were like, okay, we're going further south. And so then we went to Tanzania. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we move around based on what countries are open during COVID. Um, it's really, it's really like, there's like a, like a Venn diagram. And those three circles are, cost of living, internet speed, you know, and weather. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you sort of line up those three things, you pretty much end up in, you know, Southeast Asia, Sri Lanka, Colombia, uh, the Mediterranean, you know, maybe uh, the Yucatan Peninsula. Mm-hmm. There's just like certain places that meet all those criteria really well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so all of these places that you've gone to, the American passport is very strong and allows entry pretty easily into many countries. Have you ever had difficulty getting into any particular country or or not? No, the only place we've had any issue was in Cyprus. Mm -hmm. We flew into southern Cyprus, which is um, part of the EU. They use the euro. Everyone speaks English. It's very mm. developed. And then we crossed the border into northern Cyprus, which mm. um, is only recognized by Turkey. Mm. Uh, they speak Turkish. Um, and it's kind of a non-country country. Uh, like they, it's, it's tough to get mail there, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cheap. And it has perfectly great internet. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were by a beach. 
But uh, the problem is, is because only Turkey rep rep recognizes Northern Cyprus, the only flights that come in and out of Northern Cyprus are through Turkey. Mm -hmm. But if we flew back into Turkey, then we were outside of the EU, then we couldn't get back into the EU because of COVID. And so what we had to do is we had to go from Northern Cyprus back to Southern Cyprus. So we were in the EU to fly back into Europe because mm -hmm. uh, they don't stamp your passport in Northern Cyprus for that very reason. They just give you like a slip of paper and mm -hmm. stamp that like the way Cuba would if you were American. Mm -hmm. uh, and getting back from Northern Cyprus to Southern Cyprus was pretty touch and go, mm -hmm. um, mostly because of COVID. We mm -hmm. basically had to show them at the border Mm -hmm. um, that we had a flight. The flight was leaving that day. Mm -hmm. There was a cab driver that they knew that like promised on his, you know, on his mother that he would only take us to the airport, <laughs> that we were mm -hmm. not going to like hang out in Southern Cyprus, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, that was the tough one. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't do that one again. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, you know, really almost everywhere in the world, if you show up with a American passport, mm -hmm. like they'll stamp you for 90 days. Mm -hmm. And in most countries, they'll extend it if you ask. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you mentioned COVID, which COVID really has changed the way that we move about the world. It doesn't sound like it's really affected your travels. I mean, has it? It has, definitely, because our original plan was to go from Thailand to Vietnam to Cambodia to Bali and to the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, and when the first big lockdown came, we were in Thailand uh, and, and Vietnam shut down, everything shut down. Actually, most of those countries aren't even open yet. Southeast mm -hmm. Asia has been very slow to open. Mm -hmm. And so we, we looked at a map and said, where can we go? Mm -hmm. um, and Estonia would take people, this is in the middle of like the first big wave of COVID, they would take people from um, Thailand because they had no COVID cases mm -hmm. and like the Vatican and New Zealand. And that was it. Mm -hmm. But we knew once we were in Europe, European countries would all take each other. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we went to Estonia specifically to get into the EU because we knew mm -hmm. once we were in, we were fine. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a few flights get canceled for sure. And so, but the nice thing is, is because of COVID, almost every airline uh, lets you do sort of unlimited free flight changes right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and if they cancel the flight, they book you on another one or mm -hmm. they, you know, so we've definitely um, had a lot of flight changes. Mm -hmm. The only flights, the only thing we've really had change is we don't book flights very far in advance now. Mm -hmm. You know, normally you book a flight six, eight weeks in advance. Now we, mm -hmm. we tend to book it two weeks in advance mm -hmm. because we feel like two weeks in advance, the flight's probably really going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, six weeks in advance, like it's just a roll of the dice. Mm -hmm. Going back to when you mentioned that, you know, you're just really living in these places, not like vacationing. So, so when you're living in some place, you know, just from my experience, you know, you, you go out, you, you try to like create a sense of normalcy, like a pattern you end up making friends because, you know, you're there for a while. So in the, the short three months that you're in these countries, do you guys have the opportunity to make friends? It's tough. Mm -hmm. um, it's tough for a couple of reasons. One, because my wife and I get along really well. Mm -hmm. And so we have each other and there's mm -hmm. not a huge reason to talk to other people mm -hmm. because we really do get along really well. Mm -hmm. um, 
but we definitely go and meet other people. You know, we have done places like, like I said, we were in Paris for six weeks. Mm -hmm. We didn't really make any friends in Paris. Mm -hmm. We were just too busy working, living our lives, being tourists. Mm -hmm. That's why we, we, and we, after we did that, we were like, no, let's not do this again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so our minimum now we're thinking is three months and we'd really Mm -hmm. like to spend six months in a place. Like we want to be there long enough that we, you know, we get invited to movies and we get invited, like we meet people and Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. Because like three to six months is sort of the bare minimum, I would Mm -hmm. say. There are digital nomad groups and and expat groups, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I didn't come to another country to meet other Americans. I want to meet people here, right? And so, yeah, it's been tough, for sure. Okay. And, you know, when you mentioned tough, what are the struggles and joys of being an expat? Uh, The struggles are pretty few. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the biggest struggle i'm trying i'm i'm racking my brain to even think of the struggle mm-hmm. uh i would say the biggest struggle for us and this is really specific to us is finding places to go run mm-hmm. um because depending on where you are you know sometimes it's not appropriate to wear shorts in some muslim countries mm-hmm. um and i really don't want to run on a treadmill mm-hmm. uh and in some countries the roads aren't really suited for multimodal transportation mm-hmm. um and so we've had a few places where it was hard where you couldn't go running and that seems like a really small thing unless you've been doing it every day of your life for 10 years mm-hmm. and then you're just like oh my god i feel terrible so now we actually look at the running trails before we pick a location even an airbnb okay. uh, which is where we usually stay if mm-hmm. we can't look on Strava or something like that and find, you know, because there are like heat maps of where people go running. Mm-hmm. If we can't find heat maps of where people go running, we won't book there mm-hmm. and we won't go there. And it's just like, like we were talking about going to Morocco mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah, no, you can't run in shorts if you're a woman. No, mm-hmm. we're not going to go to Morocco. Mm-hmm. Um, at least you can't run in shorts with your woman without getting cat called a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're probably not going to go. Instead, we're probably going to go to Turkey next, which is mm-hmm. a Muslim, but it's much more, you know, uh, moderate, mm-hmm. I would guess you could say. And so that has been a struggle. Uh, but that's a really specific, as far as actually traveling, mm-hmm. no, there are no struggles. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like you wake up every day uh, and you're just like, yeah, life is awesome. Um, <laughs> as far as some of the best things, mm-hmm. uh, no, really, that is really the way it is. It's really cool to be able to go to something, mm-hmm. be amazed by it and be like, yeah, I think I'll come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like we went to the, when we were in Paris, we went to the Louvre mm-hmm. and we were just like, yeah, the Louvre is big. Let's do this like two or three times. And like, mm-hmm. we're in no hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were in Rome, we were there for six or eight weeks. Uh, we went to Naples, uh, on a day trip because you could do a high speed train like there and back. No mm-hmm. problem because it's like a 45 minute hour train ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went one day just as like a weekend Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were like, yeah, that was cool. Let's go again next weekend. And we went mm-hmm. again the next weekend. And the next mm-hmm. weekend, we went three times. We took this train mm-hmm. to Naples for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, it's really nice to to look at a map and just be like, yeah, I've never been here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we watch a lot of YouTube videos. Like you'll mm-hmm. we'll watch youtube videos from travel people and just see something and be like that's a really cool castle like i want to go to that castle Mm -hmm. and so you know three months later we'll be living in that city going to that castle um Mm -hmm. i mean just you know like imagine a life where 
you can look at a map of the world the same mm-hmm. way you would look at a map of your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty much our lives. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's really nice. Yeah, that that is nice. Definitely. What's your definition of home? And, you know, I think this is a really good question to ask you out of all of my guests, because all of my guests actually live in, you know, those, these countries for, for quite some time. So longer than three months, but whereas you don't. So what's your definition of home as an expat? Uh, I would say it's, me and my wife like mm-hmm. that's my definition of home like mm-hmm. i don't know like my <laughs> definition of home is not a place but it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a it's a community that's mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. um i mean like tonight uh literally i worked for a while my wife mm-hmm. was teaching and mm-hmm. went and made dinner for us we sat and had dinner mm-hmm. uh you know she's doing something right now probably you know watching youtube videos or something mm-hmm. and that's home. I mean, mm-hmm. home is sitting at the dinner table. It doesn't matter where the dinner table is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it would be very different maybe if I was traveling by myself. Mm-hmm. Then that might be a different answer. It might be a little bit more lonely. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, my home home, right? For the people that teach English, mm-hmm. like when you double a word, it means like real. Mm-hmm. Uh, my home home is always going to be Tempe, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just in generally the sort of Sonoran Southwest. Um, that uh, when we went home over December, uh, I went and started running like the desert trails because I'm a big trail runner, uh, running the desert trails. And like immediately, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so nice. Like, I just really missed the open Sonoran Desert. But I didn't miss my house. Like, I didn't miss, you know, my favorite restaurant. Like, mm-hmm. I missed the desert. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know. I don't really, uh, I don't really think about it in any other way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, all right. Well, I'm glad that you said that. That that it's really more of a feeling rather than a place, because I think sometimes you know we do get caught up in things that you know we talked about in terms of like debt. We get caught up in like, well, you know, I have I've made a home here, you know, in a place that like is like their original home, their the the yeah. home where they were born, you know, like oh, I have a mortgage, I have this and I have that, whereas you know a home can realistically be anywhere i mean it just depends on who's there what's the experience you're having what is it that you you need and and want to get out of that place lots of places can be home yeah so with that i'm gonna say thank you very much kobe for taking the time to be interviewed by me on this podcast are we home yet so podcasts where expats talk about what it's like living abroad and hopefully also inspire future expats to have the courage to also go and experience living abroad as well. I hope everyone has a great day as well as Kobe. Have a great day too. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. My next interview is with Isabel, an avid traveler from Singapore who travel blogs on her website, Bell Around the World. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to are we home yet podcast.com i'm jalila clark see you next time